This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. It's the card they're playing right now because they don't have a whole lot else. And Dr. Kavita Patel. I am deeply more concerned in a way. Hello and welcome to another episode of Words Matter. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will be tackling some of the most important topics as we approach the midterm and listen to our leaders, their words, and why they matter. This week, I think we are going to try to tackle a myriad of our friends in Senate races, including Mehmet Oz, Herschel Walker, and uh, it's a gift that keeps on giving in terms of uh, how how the Senate, House, and potentially a nod to what the White House might look like. This is building off of some of our past episodes. We hope that you enjoy the show. And with that, I can't tell you how going into this week, and this is an important week on so many levels, I know that uh, Norm that you and yours have been thinking, reflecting, and with Yom Kippur, it's a very important time of atonement. I actually want to tell you that this is a really important week in Hinduism. It's a, a holiday called Dasara. It's, it's basically the equivalent of our new year in a way. And again, similar themes that overlap with atonement. I wish I could tell you that uh, our friend Herschel Walker had any atonement. Let's start there. I'm not sure if we should start with the Walker campaign manager, Walker himself, uh, with how, how he has obfuscated the kind of repeated denials around paying for an abortion, talking to a partner about an abortion, any of these things. And then we can even shift if you want, if that doesn't give us enough to Mehmet Oz and, and close us out, because I know you and our great producer, Grant Haver, have a very special members only section to tease up for people, too. What a week with Herschel Walker. Um, and it's interesting in a host of ways, Kavita. First, of course, Walker has lied over and over and over again, including most recently saying, I don't know who this woman is when it turns out that he had a child with her, that he gives money to a lot of people when this was a you know direct payment for the abortion. But they've now shifted with their allies. As we've seen, Despite the fact that Walker's son, a conservative, just came out with a series of blasts suggesting that he and his mother had to move six times because of the threats of violence that Herschel Walker made against the two of them, that we have another ex-wife who talked about having a gun to her head, a knife to her throat, a history of violence, a history of lying about his own record, about being a valedictorian at the University of Georgia, graduating, being in law enforcement, all the lies, plus now lying about four kids and then lying about the abortion. And not a single significant Republican has said, this is disqualifying. And the new theme, which we saw with a lot of people in the evangelical world is, and and with Newt Gingrich, well, he's been saved. He's sinned. We've all sinned, but he's found Jesus Christ and he's been saved. The unsettling thing about all of this is that with a man who can't put two coherent sentences together, who, as Newt Gingrich said, in a defense of him being a senator, well, he had a lot of concussions, that this is a tight race. And this race, as some of the other Senate races, have gotten closer as we approach the election, as the tribal members begin to move back to their own tribal bases. And we can't say for sure 
that Herschel Walker, who is about as unqualified and outrageous a candidate for uh, any political office, much less the U.S. Senate, might win. And remember, there are other candidates, independent candidates, and Georgia, unlike many other states, has a runoff feature. We saw this with both Senate seats last year. Those elections were held in early January. They've moved them to December now. It's quite possible, even if Senator Warnock, Raphael Warnock, the Democrat, prevails, beats Walker, he may not get to the 50% threshold, and we may have a runoff where turnout declines. It's, you know, deeply, deeply unsettling that Herschel Walker might still make it to the United States Senate. And the fact is, Republicans are happy to have him there because he'll vote exactly as they want him to vote, and they don't care about any of the rest of it. I'll go even further. So very, uh, not sure if this, uh, I know it was on Twitter, not sure, Norm, if you saw it, but I actually then clicked and looked at the CNN link. I don't know if you noticed uh, Jeff Duncan, the Georgia lieutenant governor, was on CNN in the last, in, in previous X number of hours. It's all blurring together. But he basically kind of gave what I thought was a pretty accurate like portrayal of what had happened. Now, he had been, obviously, for his own self-interest, critical of Walker and had then been shunned. But and I'll read his words since that's the theme in our podcast. Unfortunately, Republicans looked around to see who Trump supported. Now we're paying the price. And, you know, that, let me actually go even further. We didn't ask who was the best leader. We didn't ask who had the best resume. Republicans looked around to see who Trump supported, and he was a famous football player, and so he became our nominee, and now we're paying the price. That was the full extra, that was a full quote. I, I think that that's absolutely true. And the Washington Post had a pretty in, incredible reconstruction of the backstory with uh, Republicans supporting. Not only just, Norm, did you not hear a Republican denouncing wife abuse, spousal abuse, child abuse, any sort of allegations of harm to any like person of any kind. Not, not only did you hear people kind of speak, not hear any Republicans speak out against it, there's through this wonderful piece in the Post, I think a very appropriate kind of detailed timeline that said Republicans in the state knew, which doesn't, I don't think shocks you. They didn't care. And that McConnell backed Walker for the nomination so that he could get media attention and actually raise money because prominent, you know, African-American football player and unite the party specifically because of Trump's backing. Not only did they endorse him, quote unquote, because they had no choice, which is what people have said, but they actually thought it could help the party. And so this is, I mean, I got to tell you, like, listening to Jeff Duncan, I'm sitting there thinking, like, how, what is the universe where, Norm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, is there appetite? You know, Jeff Duncan probably did the right thing, and maybe it was a little too late, but there's a hope for someone like him in the party, and Herschel Walker could actually win this thing. And so you, but I wanted you to react, because I think the backstory of how his nomination came to be, it's not just that Trump backed him. It's that everybody turned a blind eye and wanted to propagate him to be the leader of the party or to be a huge fundraiser for the party. And it tells you volumes about the degeneration of a political party. Several years ago, Claire McCaskill was running against Todd Aiken for a Senate seat in Indiana. He made some outrageous statements about women and abortion. 
and a whole group of Republican leaders denounced it. It was beyond the pale. They used to try, primaries making it more difficult, but they used to try to have a kind of screen where you would get the best and brightest. You would get the best candidates that you could. That's gone now. And yet, as you said, they knew all of this. And their strategy was to hope it didn't get out before the election. And they might have succeeded with some of that. The most depressing element of this is not that you have a party that's abandoned its moral core, not that they knowingly nominated somebody utterly unqualified and unprepared for political office, but that he could win. And that's true in so many races elsewhere in the country, including Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania. Sorry, I can't let this Jeff Duncan thing go because I asked the question, Norm, of you and, and just in general, where, where are Republicans like him? But he disappeared into private life. You know, when they saw the writing on the wall, he was not going to kind of ascend at this party. So he kind of eats back into retirement. You know, what it reminded me of the recent announcement by Senator Ben Sass, who's from Nebraska, who basically said that, like, first of all, I thought it was a little ridiculous. There was a news alert, Norm, that he was the, quote, sole finalist to lead the University of Florida. And I thought, you know, the only thing that I'm the sole finalist of is to pick up my kid's mess after the end of the day because nobody else wants to do it. So that was a little, you know, come on, let, let, get it, let, let's all just call it out like it is. Ben wants to leave the Senate, and they're offering him, you know, president of the University of Florida. He was a president of a smaller university in Nebraska, so this is not some like crazy move for him. But to basically have what I would have said to you, and Norm, please disagree with me, but there was a moment before the was it the 2018 endorsement or kind of when Ben, you know, when Sass did not really speak out against him. But there was a moment before 16 when I actually thought, you know, very bright, young, this could be the kind of person that could lead the Republican Party into a, just its new future. All of that has been obliterated. And anybody that had a scintilla of hope for rational thought has now literally retreated. And who, who blames them? Or who wants to be in the Senate, much less a Democrat? And so I just, I, before we get to Mehmet Oz, I just wanted to kind of see, pick your brain about that thought, because yeah. there is no Let more for rational. So yeah, please rant, because I just did the whole Sass thing. I want to rant a little bit more, because Ben Sass is an attractive guy who is very, very smart, who at times has seemed reasonable, but... The reality is that he has cast votes over and over again that go along with a cult, that shatter norms in the Senate. He voted for every one of these outrageously unqualified or radical nominees for courts put forward by Trump from the list of Leonard Leo. He supported the boycott of Merrick Garland in 2016 and then voted for Amy Coney Barrett eight days before the presidential election in 2020. He voted for cabinet nominees who lied to the Senate, who clearly were not capable of doing their jobs. This is not a man who has shown a scintilla of moral backbone or courage when it mattered. And then let's just add one other thing. 
He's going to the University of Florida, where obviously he's going to make a whole lot more money than he makes as a senator. But let's talk about the University of Florida right now. He's going to an institution that is fresh from a set of scandals where they blocked their faculty members from testifying because they didn't like, and Ron DeSantis didn't like what they were going to say about elections and voting and climate and other things. He's going to a university where the state has basically said, all state institutions, never mind tenure. And he's going to an institution where the state under DeSantis has also said, because you are state institutions, we can vet your reading lists and syllabi and curricula. So they're destroying the fundamentals of university life and education. And I have zero confidence that either they are bringing in Ben Sass to fight back against the authoritarian Orban-like moves of the DeSantis administration, or that he would have the backbone, given his tenure in the Senate, to do anything about it, to protect his faculty and the basic credibility of the institution. So I, I find nothing uh, pleasing about this, much less, you know, having signed a six-year contract, leaving in the middle. Do you agree that, oh, let me ask them, when he first kind of came to the scene and just, I have to be honest, I think I, I know a little bit about his personal backstory, his wife at a very young age after an accident had a series of kind of subcortical strokes and uh, left her with like just a, a kind of a life where he's had to basically raise their daughters and help to do a lot. So I might be a little bit emotionally sucked into this. But Norm, did, did you have the feeling I did or this hope in the beginning that this was like kind of, you know, the Rhodes Scholar, I think even, I mean, he, he had this imprimatur of independent thought. And he seemed even on um, health committee, because I remember he was on the health committee initially as well. And he made some thoughtful comments that went against, quite honestly, what the GOP was saying. And I thought, you know, there's some hope here. <laughs> Quickly eroded, but it, it, what, what, you know, what happened? <laughs> he, you know, he happened. did stand out. He is extraordinarily bright and often thoughtful. His editor for the books that he's done was my editor for the books that I've done at St. Martin's. And Tim Bartlett spoke extraordinarily highly of him and working with him and doing those books. And so I gave him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt in the aftermath of that. But he's disappointed over and over and over again. I don't care how smart you are, how exemplary your private life is. Those things matter, it's true getting back to Herschel Walker, character matters. And of course, his books are all about character. But character also means that you're going to make decisions that put country over party. And we haven't seen that with Ben Sass. And I doubt very much that he's going to put university over party as president of the University of Florida. Yeah, no, I hope I'm I wrong. No, no, no. I, I completely agree. And so uh, in our remaining minutes, because we, we cannot have a show without talking about Dr. Oz, I'm going to put a little bit of a spin. Oh, and then one clarification. I mentioned campaign manager for Herschel Walker. It was actually his political director that's having a bad day who was fired because 
perhaps this was the, it was actually the political director who might have been leaking stories to the media. So the, the saga will continue and we can, uh, can we will continue to, to keep track of what's happening to, to that race. But I will mention for Mehmet Oz, lots of news about Mehmet Oz. I think something that certainly caught my eye were these reports that have come out. And, and I really do think that if I can offer, it might seem like everyone listening to this podcast just assumes that we have this blanket approval of any Democrat. I'm going to make a statement. John Fetterman, all of the issues aside that people have criticized him for, I think what you're watching with some of this race coming closer together is that it's actually pretty hard to run a Senate campaign on Twitter alone. And I think that you're seeing that there's this interesting use of social media and political campaigns where it can really help with John Fetterman earlier on to give him that like voice, this almost sardonic kind of overlay to the Mehmet Oz, you know, very vanilla taste. That has quickly become, I actually think, one of his Achilles heels. And, and now the most recent, and, and what's disappointing about all of this, to your point about Herschel Walker might win, Mehmet Oz is actually narrowing that gap. And it's why I underscore my point about the Twitter being able to just run a Senate campaign on Twitter. The most uh, thing that perked my eye, I'd love to see what kind of perked uh, your antennae about Mehmet Oz. But this week, He's come under various um, sets of scrutiny, but one really interesting Jezebel report that cited that while Professor Oz was on tenure at Columbia University and noted as a principal investigator on several grants that his research lab, for which he was responsible, had actually killed over 300 dogs in the process of research. Now, that's not unusual to use animals in research. But it's Columbia's website actually notes that, you know, the principal investigator is responsible for the safety and compliance of their library. And then when there was a further investigation into how these animals were killed in the process of research, there was actually a fine that was paid by Columbia University for that lab. And what this has done is not only you can imagine just like inflamed a number of people who promote kind of, you know, ethical research conducted on animals in the interest of science, but also just the fact that there's continuing all these, like, basically peeling away the onion of the hypocrisy that is Mehmet Oz. Not surprisingly, Oz campaign said, you know, this is ridiculous, uh, never abused any animal, et cetera. This is false and preposterous. And then my favorite, again, this is where I do think Fetterman has to watch it, because I do feel like, you know, Dr. Oz is a puppy killer. That was Fetterman's response on Twitter after the Jezebel story published. And, and I feel like that alone is why, you know, if you're sitting in Pennsylvania, Norm, you're just sitting there going, yeah, I don't have a lot of great, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just voting to get the least kind of um, annoying person into office at this point. And, and that's how it feels. And now Oz is picking up a little bit of steam. He is, despite a record that is a pretty abysmal one. You know, we also have to keep in mind that he's made his money through snake oil sales. Garcinia, Cambodia is, you know, solving all of your uh, problems with uh, any kind of mental issue, including Alzheimer's, a whole series of ridiculous things. This story, which was not just that animals were killed, but that they took dead puppies and put them back into the box, litter box with live ones. The level of cruelty here is just astonishing. But as you say, if your only response is snark, it's not necessarily going to win you support. And we're going to see, I think, a huge amount of money go in on the Republican side in these final four weeks. 
to put Oz over the top, attacking Fetterman, and we're going to have this one debate. And in this one debate, we know that Fetterman is still suffering some of the side effects from the stroke that he had, including auditory processing problems. And I think if he falters in this debate, if he looks like he's not understanding what's going on, if he's not coherent, and Oz, of course, being a polished television performer, that that could make a difference here. There's a race for governor in Pennsylvania. The Republican candidate is not just an election denier, but a complete radical fanatic, Mastriano. And the Democrat, Josh Shapiro, is likely to win pretty big there. The Senate race is much closer than it should be. Democrats have got to put some money into advertising. They have to really point out that Oz, who voted in Turkish elections, who still basically lives in New Jersey, who couldn't even tell people how many homes he owned, 10. There are a lot of flaws in this candidate, but Fetterman has not been able to run an effective campaign. Before we go, Kavita, I do want to emphasize one other element. This election isn't just about individual races. It's about who's going to have control. And I am so frustrated with the national media that looks at this the same way they have every other election. As if, yeah, you know, Republicans win, we get divided government, we've had that before, no big deal. If Republicans win the House, which is now more likely than not, we know that the vast majority of its members coming in are election deniers, both returning ones who voted on January 6th that the election had been stolen, and new ones coming in. And election denial in this case is a kind of template for radical views. We want to blow everything up. And things like the debt ceiling and the fundamental faith, full faith and credit of the United States, funding for Ukraine in the future after January, the ability to pass any legislation or the likelihood that we're going to get a long government shutdown, all of those things are at stake here. Not to mention repeated efforts to hamstring the administration, to impeach Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, to stop any investigations of Trump, to stop any federal trials by cutting off money. So we're talking about stakes here that transcend the individual races. And in the Senate, if Democrats can't win a seat like Pennsylvania, can't hold a seat like Georgia, don't prevail in a majority, then Joe Biden's not only not going to get any judges, He's not going to have anybody able to populate his administration as people leave, which, as you know, they do after two years. I'm going to double down on your sour, sour grapes here and say that uh, I'm watching Pennsylvania as like a bellwether for the presidential race. I mean, if this is a let's call it a Biden Trump race or a Biden fill in the blank race, this is it. And if you can't take a blue blooded candidate like Fetterman, who is unapologetically liberal, and someone like Dr. Oz, who like straight out of central casting for the world's worst villain. I mean, this, I mean, you cannot, if we cannot find a way to win in that scenario, we're in big trouble. Not in everything you just said. On top of that, it's going to be kind of the test, you know, the litmus test for 24. So with that, I want to we have much to look forward to, including a very exciting, provocative members only section that comes up after, after our what we hope was at least a stimulating conversation so that thank you for all of us, for all of you who are listening, joining us, and please help us as we're 
trying to promote the show by rating, review, subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Share this with your friends on social media. If you like this and want more of our conversation, join as a member of the DSR network and you'll get to hear a much, much, uh, not only an extension of a, a little bit of what we've been talking about, but I can tell you from having listened in on the bonus segment, a great conversation with our amazing producer, who is Grant Haver. Our executive producer of the DSR Network is Chris Cotnoir. And the next episode of Words Matter will be in your podcast feed, October 13th. See you then.